This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 119, Yoga Teacher Entrepreneur. Are you a newer yoga teacher? Or maybe you've been teaching for a while, but you've gone into teaching because you wanted to help others or because you loved yoga and you wanted to share it, but you've never really seen yourself as an entrepreneur. I know that was my case for a long time. And if that's your case too, and it's been your case, today's episode is for you. Today, I sat down with Jackie Murphy. A decade before she was the host of the Yoga Boss podcast, Jackie learned the hard way that being a talented yoga teacher wasn't enough to build a lifelong profitable business. Using her 10 years of experience teaching, opening studios, and leading teacher trainings, Jackie now helps yoga teachers become profitable CEOs by offering them the most effective marketing, sales, and business foundation strategy in the industry. Through her profitable Yoga Boss program, Jackie is changing the yoga industry by putting more money in the hands of the people whose actually feet touch the mat. As you listen to today's episode, take a screenshot of the episode and share one of your takeaways on Instagram tagging at on and off your mat podcast. Of course, I will reshare you, but everybody will be able to read your takeaway so we can go deeper into the content of each episode together as a community and we can learn from each other. All right, let's get to today's episode with Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This will be a lot of fun. Amazing. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself for listeners that don't know you, like your journey within yoga and entrepreneurship? I can. It's a long story, though. So (laughs) I... The highlights. (laughs) The highlights, the quick version. I was lucky enough to find yoga when I was a teenager and knew really early on that it was what I wanted to do with my life. I just connected Mm. with the practice and love teaching. And so for the past 12 years, I have built a career in yoga and I have done everything under the sun, you name it, I've sold it, I've done it. And eventually that led me to a place where now I I am a business coach for yoga teachers and studio owners, and I help them navigate all the lessons that I learned the hard way much more easily so that they can have a profitable and sustainable business. Mm. What does it mean for you as a yoga teacher to have a profitable, sustainable business, to be successful Mm. as a career in the yoga industry? I think it's different for everyone, right? That's why I'm asking you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For me specifically, I, when I first started out, I was not making enough money to live on. And I think. Just common issue for yoga teachers. It's a big issue. Yeah. And along with that, I was also burnt out. I drove 40,000 miles in my city (laughs) and Mm -hmm. made $15,000 and I just saw this point where, Hey, this is not going to work. I have to figure something out. So I wanted to create sustainability for me, which meant actually having days off and being able to work when I wanted to work and not teach morning and night and any time of day. Um, Yeah. Driving all over wasn't sustainable. I wanted something where I knew the profit would be consistent and I would be able to just do that and not feel like I need another job or need a second source of income. So I help my yoga teachers, my studio owners get to six figures in their business. So hundred K or more. And then we do it based on how often they want to work for some people. That's 20 hours a week. For some people it's 40. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what are the main pain points that people come with? I'm sure money is very regularly an issue. The scheduling is an issue. Um, And just the consistency also is the money that you were talking about. You know, oftentimes as yoga teacher, if we're paid per head or if we're paid per class and then, you know, holidays come around or whatever happens, you know, it's not consistent, the the salary we make. So what other pain point do you find that a lot of people have in common when they come to you? Yeah, I mean, you just named so many of them. Um, The money pain point has everything from wondering if it's actually okay to make money from yoga and is it ethical and can I to how can I make more Mm -hmm. and everything in between. So Mm -hmm. that is definitely a pain point. Um, And then people just come to me, it's their heart and it's their passion. It's what they want to do. And they just can't figure out how to market and sell 
or even create an offer to sell in a way that feels easy and Mm -hmm. learning how to do that consistently while it seems like this ginormous puzzle that you have to figure out that has a lot of moving parts, it's actually just boils down to learning the skills of an entrepreneur, learning how to market and sell well and mm-hmm. doing that on a consistent basis, just like your yoga practice, doing that on a consistent basis, building your business, you have to show up and nurture it the same way. Absolutely. So you said two very important things, I think, in that answer. So we'll come back to those two. But before we go into the scale of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and tools and all these things, I think, and I'm, I wonder if you agree as a coach, our thoughts and our beliefs as such a big impact on the results we get. And sometimes more than the strategy we actually implement. And you talked about the ethical side of selling and of money and our relationship to that. So let's talk about limiting beliefs for a moment. What are some common beliefs that you see that teachers have that stop them from becoming more successful or profitable or keep them stuck where they are? Gosh, one of the main ones that I see is not thinking they have enough experience or expertise Mm. to help Mm -hmm. people and thinking Mm -hmm. that they need their 300 hour certification or meditation certification or this, that, and the other, and then they would be able to. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of talk in our industry around how your 200 hour training is just the start of it. And it is, but it's also enough to build a business from. It's also enough to help people at that point, right? You are the perfect teacher for your students at whatever level you're at. So that's a huge limiting belief Mm -hmm. that holds people back. I don't know enough. I don't know enough. I'm not ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we think that being ready is this like place that we will arrive and then feel like amazing all the time. And really that doesn't exist. It never happens. And kind of like what you were saying, your thoughts and your beliefs have so much to do with the results that you create in your world. And what I teach my clients is every thought that you have creates a feeling in your body an emotion. And those emotions are your fuel for your actions. So if you're fueling your actions with the thought, I'm not ready, of course, it's not going to work. You're not going to take the steps that are necessary to move forward. Right. Your action is going to be to wait. Yes. Yeah. That's the action choice you're going to make. I'm going to wait. <laughs> yes. Yes. And wait for what, right? Get even more curious with your brain because it it won't be able to tell you what you're waiting on. It gets really vague. And I think I was there. Like I understand and I empathize with that place so much because I wanted like my mentor teacher to be like, you've got it and you can do it. Or I wanted a number of students in my class to then feel ready. And eventually you just got to go, go for Mm -hmm. it, no matter Mm -hmm. what's happening externally. Mm -hmm. So is that kind of how you step out and how you overcome that belief is you just do it anyway, and you'll learn as you go and you'll learn more and you'll just continue to grow, but start to do something with what you have today. Yeah. Like, Mm. Start to do something with what you have today in action that will actually create results. So what I see happen is a yoga teacher will be like, all right, I'm going to do something today, start my business. And then they spend four hours building a website Mm -hmm. and that website, while it may be helpful for your business down the road, isn't actually going to make you money. So when you know that you want to build a business and you know, now's the time I got to do something today, you want to get really clear about what actions actually make you money and make sure that you're not starting. It's an air quotes. No one can see it, but hiding behind a computer or starting Mm -hmm. your business. But I'm actually telling people that they can pay you and you can help them. (laughs) So it's like, get, get super, super clear, make it super simple. Your job is to talk about what you do an offer to help people. Mm, mm -hmm. That's really all you have to do. That's a great place to start. Just talk about it. 
Yeah. All the time. All the time. <laughs> All the to time. anyone get, who will listen. Get clear on what it is you do, what it is you offer and talk about and practice talking about it so you get comfortable and you're not so awkward into the, I don't know enough to teach yeah. anybody about anything. Yes. Yeah. I tell my clients, especially the ones that come in and have some sort of corporate job or a nine to five job. And the first thing we switch is simply how they introduce themselves. So if you're used to introducing yourself as a lawyer or a banker, or whatever job you have, mm-hmm. it's just start with, I'm a yoga teacher and get used to that and comfortable with that. So that doesn't feel awkward. And it'll help you identify as a business owner who teaches yoga, but it will also grow your network of people who know that you mm-hmm have a service for them, have an offer for them. That's so interesting that you say that because this year, for the first time, I've been introducing myself as an entrepreneur, which I had Ah. never done in my life before. I was always a teacher. I was a school teacher before I was a yoga teacher. Then I was a yoga teacher. And I never went into yoga teaching thinking I was going to be an entrepreneur. I didn't Nobody think I does. had those skills. Yeah. I didn't. I was right. not interested in that. Like that was not on the horizon for me. But it kind of just happened because I wanted to live out of, you know, of, of yoga. And now I'm starting to be like, yeah, I'm actually an entrepreneur, and I teach yoga. Like it, yeah. you know, my business is teaching, but I'm a business person, and that yeah. is mind blowing. For yeah. yourself, I like the way you identify. It's so mm-hmm. interesting. The first That's time you say tip. it, it's like, oh my gosh, what did I just say? Can I pull that yeah. back in? <laughs> You're like, never mind. That's a lie. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. But that is, that's exactly where the growth is, right? Of shifting who you believe yourself to be so that you can create the reality you want. And I love that you said, like, you didn't sign up for teacher training to become an entrepreneur and make money. Like, I don't know if I've ever met anyone that's like, I'm going to do this so I can build a yoga business and make a ton of money. We all come to it because we fell in love with the practice. Mm -hmm. It's changed our life somehow. We love it. We have a passion for it, which is amazing and doesn't need to change. And what is lacking for most teacher trainings is actually the lesson that you are an entrepreneur, that Mm. whether you signed up for it or not, that is now what you are. Whether you're contracting yourself out to a studio or you're working your own business, you have to think differently. Yeah. So let's just make that parenthesis for a second. If you are only contracting to a a yoga studio, how are you an entrepreneur in your eyes? Ah, so good. I would say when you, most studios, you are a contract employee. Some studios, Mm -hmm. you are an actual 1099 employee, but when you're a contractor, the business, regardless if it's, if it's yoga or not, is hiring you. So they see a return on their investment. Like mm-hmm. they want their bottom line to increase by hiring you as a contractor. So as a contractor for a studio, you want to be really clear on the value that you add for that business, mm-hmm. your ability to communicate to that value to them and show them and be able to really stand behind this is my service. Like my service is to come in and teach class for your studio. This is what you'll see. And this is what I want to get paid for that, essentially Mm -hmm. the value that I'm bringing in. And what I see happen, especially with new teachers, they'll just take any class (laughs) that the studio offers for whatever price. It doesn't have to be paid. I'll teach it. (laughs) And I did it too. So like there's no I did it too. You know, that's, (laughs) yep. But I only did it because I didn't know how to value the service I was offering at that time. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. And we'll come back to valuing that service after, but I just want to loop back and finish around the limiting beliefs. So not knowing enough, is there other really common limiting beliefs that come up around money or other things? Yes. I would say the, hmm, and how does it come up? It's a limiting belief around an individual's ability to make money. So we all see that the yoga industry is a billion dollar industry. Like there is tons of opportunity to buy yoga. Like a yoga four billion yoga dollar industry at this point. Something crazy like that. It's like 3.6 billion. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. So most yoga teachers come in knowing that there's money to be made, but the limiting belief is 
can I make money? Like people mm-hmm. are going to buy yoga, but are they going to buy yoga from me? Are they going to buy my offer? Mm-hmm. And it's a limiting belief in the sense that most people listening to this podcast, I would assume have made money in their life some way or another, whether it's a lemonade stand outside or you're an employee mm-hmm. somewhere, or you have a business, whatever it may be. And so knowing that that skill can easily translate to your yoga business is available for you and necessary for you to step up and start making money from it. And so it's like this belief of the way people say it to me is like, is this going to work out? Is this going to work out for me? Am Mm -hmm. I going to be able to make this work? And my answer is always yes. If you decide (laughs) that you want to, the answer is yes, because you know how to make money. You know how to teach yoga. All we have to do is combine the two together. So what's the separation there? What's the, is it an ethical thing around like I shouldn't charge for yoga or yoga doesn't go with money? It's not supposed to be something that's profitable. What's the train of thought? Yeah, I think I was taught, and I'm curious what you were taught in your teacher training. I was taught that in the yoga sutras, it says not to make money with yoga. Like I was taught Mm -hmm. it was actually bad to make money with yoga And if you were going to make money with yoga, don't expect to make much. It's not the point of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I, something I did when I first started really honing in on coaching business for yoga teachers, I read through every sutra. I was like scouring all the books that I have. I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to find this. I'm going to find the section that tells me I can't make money doing this. And it doesn't say that it never says it, but what it does say and this is in Patanjali's like translation of the sutras. What it does say is your focus or your drishti, right? Your intention with building a business can't be for money. And if your focus is on money, that is what people are urging you not to do. But what it says is if your focus is just on service and your focus is on helping people, then of course the money will come. Mm-hmm. Of course it will be there. And I'm sure you've experienced too this too. Like when you're focused just on the money and you're grasping so tightly to yeah. it, it doesn't come. It never comes. Yeah. It's like you're forcing something to happen and it just doesn't work. It doesn't flow. Like there's, yeah. there's something there that doesn't feel right. Yes. So it's learning how to shift your focus and train your brain to only think about service and that is okay. And the money will come from that place. And mm-hmm. not like we're going to hope and pray the money comes. We can be strategic about it and we can think like a business owner, but it's where your intention is to start is what the sutras say. And so I think that's just been a little twisted and passed down and passed down and mm-hmm. passed down mm-hmm. where it's so common for yoga teachers just to almost position themselves as a martyr to suffer in order to teach yoga. And that's it's not the point of yoga. Like it makes them a more worthy teacher. Yeah. Because they're doing it for the love of the teachings yeah. and the practice. Yeah. Yes. And what it sounds like is, oh, I don't care about the money mm-hmm. or I'm just going to donate everything I make to charity. And I always think about like when someone says that to me, donate, donate to charity if you want to. I think that's amazing. But we all care about money. It's part of our world today. So Mm -hmm. trying to pretend that you don't care or it doesn't affect you is trying to pretend that like you don't care about oxygen or like you don't need oxygen. Money itself is not good or bad. Oxygen is not good or bad. It just is. And so your relationship to it is so, so important. And when you allow yourself to be the abundant, wealthy yoga teacher who is a living, breathing example of wellness, you're actually going to end up serving your students in a better way. You're going to have more ability to be present for them. You're going to deliver higher, higher quality classes for them. It's a win-win for everyone when yoga teachers make money. I think that's something really important to remember for teachers that struggle about making money is what making money will allow you to do as a teacher and how much more you can be of service and how much more can you help if you have access to more money. Yeah. Yeah. And money is just an amplifier, right? So if you are already have 
the heart of service and you already know that you want to donate, you're just going to be able to do that at a bigger level when you have more money. Mm -hmm. It's just going to amplify whoever you already are, which is why I think it's so important in our world that yoga teachers do make money. So the people Mm -hmm. who are making money are not the people who are, you know, I don't want to say like greedy, but like (laughs) with malintent, (laughs) we need more wonderful, amazing people making more money. Yeah, because then they can have a bigger impact in the world and we can have a representation of something other than money is evil. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. All right. So when people are ready to start at their limiting beliefs around money, about their self-worth, around their self-knowledge, about who they are as a teacher versus an entrepreneur, once they have Mm -hmm. done that work and they're ready to look into, okay, I'm ready I want to, I'm excited, but I feel like I don't know how. Mm. So what are the essential business skills that a yoga teacher needs to learn? Hmm. (laughs) So such a good question. (laughs) The first thing I'll say is not the answer to your question, but I just want to caution people. You can decide that you're ready and go into it and then go on the how hunt and Mm. try and hunt down the perfect strategy and the perfect, how are you going to make money? And it, it doesn't matter what strategy you choose. It doesn't matter what, how you choose. You have to kind of trust that the, how is going to present itself Mm. Mm -hmm. as you go along. And all you need to do, we've already talked about it to get started is meet people tell them what you do and make an offer to help them. And really it's that simple. And I know people are listening to that. Be like, I don't know what that means. How do I meet people? How do I, how do I make offers? (laughs) And just go back to like, you're a human. You already know how to meet people. You introduce yourself. You already know how to say, Hey, I can help you do that in small ways to start. And then as you're ready to grow and scale your business, that same process just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you meet more people at once and you tell more people at once, you make more offers at once, but no matter where you are in business, when you really boil it down, that is all you're doing and Mm. delivering. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And actually teaching, doing that part. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's interesting to look at it this way because There is so many skills one could learn. Mm -hmm. And if you get, if you like get stuck into the how of how am I going to do these things, Mm -hmm. it's really easy to get overwhelmed and to be like, I can't do it. There's way too much. Like how, uh, I don't know. And then you just continue to do what you were doing. So I think I really like what you mentioned on what we're trying to do is to meet people. Mm -hmm. So Maybe there's like little skills in meeting people that eventually you can learn, but you are trying to meet people. You're trying to talk about what it is you do, what you offer, how you can help. Maybe there's skills in how do I talk about what I do better that you can learn. Exactly. Um, yep. You're trying to make an offer. Maybe there's skills in building, getting clear on what is your zone of genius, what you love to teach, what do your people need? So maybe there's skills in that categories and then mm-hmm. how to deliver. Maybe there's mm-hmm. skills that you need to learn, you know, as simple as like talking in public or like whatever it yeah. is. Like, I think if you think of those four categories and you start at the beginning, it makes it a bit less like there's a million things I need to learn to be yeah. an entrepreneur and yes. be and run a profet- profitable business as a yoga yes. teacher. Yes. So I actually have a a free guide. If your listeners want it, it's called a visibility guide that has all 44 different ways where you could meet people just to take some of that, that work out of your brain from me, my experience, opening studios, selling retreats, selling teacher trainings, what worked. And you can always do that. Like there are tons of mentors out there that will say, Hey, this is how I did it. Here are some ideas. Amazing. Use that but it's more important that you just choose and you commit and you're like, Hey, I've decided I'm going to meet people in Facebook groups. So I'm going to meet people in my local community by going to networking events, pick one 
-hmm. and then just commit to doing that again and again and again. And the same thing is true for telling them what you do. Don't tell them that you do a million different things. They will get confused when you have a million different offers for people. It inherently creates confusion on their end and they're less likely to buy. Mm -hmm. So get clear about what you do and then just continue to do it and just repeat again and again and again. And you will feel like your broken record Mm -hmm. (laughs) talking about it, but you are not. Most people have to hear something 17 times in order for them to pique their interest and buy Mm -hmm. 17 times. Now you Mm -hmm. hear, you can hear it 17 times. And you're like, I've said this again and again and again, (laughs) they haven't, they have Mm -hmm. just heard the last time that you've said it. So you just have to stand up and continue to talk about your offer. Yeah. And Sometimes it's things that are really, really simple and that you would not think of as actual skills that can make a big difference. I know in my experience, something silly made a big change when I was teaching in person in life classes. I, in the beginning of my teachings, I had this story that I was in good with names. And I was like, Mm. I remembered, you know, a handful of my student name and just because they made a bigger impression and that was it. And then one day I gave myself the challenge, like by X, I'm going to know everybody's name in every single class I'm teaching. And I was teaching like 20 something classes a week. Right. So I would have to go to the desk and be like, what's her name again? What's her name again? You know, and I would just have to do it. And it shifted. My classes doubled within a few months. Of course. Just that. Of course. Because when they walked in, I was like, hi, their name. How are you? Yes. Like all of a sudden we had a more personal relationship. Yeah. And I didn't expect it. It was, I didn't do it for that. I did it because I was tired of that excuse. I don't, you know, I'm not good with people's name. And I have always been like, how can I grow as a person? And I was like, that's a challenge I'm going to take, give to myself. I'm going to learn everybody's name. And it made a huge difference, huge difference in the loyalty and the people coming back, the retention and the people wanting to connect with me, like before or after class, like all of a sudden you're building relationship. And that's not a skill that you need to go to business school for, right? Yeah. So we, I did a similar experiment to that again, (laughs) like not knowing my goal was to retain more of our members in the studio. And I, I set out and I told, trained all of my teachers. And I'm like, when someone comes in, I want you to use their name at least twice. When you greet them in class, when you say bye, we're just going to really start to use names. And it is so simple, but it translated to so much because people buy when they feel no like, and trust. This is not a new thing. It's talked about all the time, mm-hmm. but you knowing them and you creating that connection, that relationship with them, they're more comfortable with you, which inherently they're more likely to continue to work with you, to stick around, to refer you, to talk to you, talk about you to their friends. Yeah. I used to do this too, where like, if someone would come in And they were telling me like, they're going on vacation or their daughter just went away to school. I would leave a little note on their account because I might forget. And the next time they came in, I'd be like, it would pop up and I'd be like, how, how are you doing? How was your vacation? And they're like, how do you know? How do you remember? It's the small things that deliver just excellent service that will make all of the difference in your business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's a good place for people to start. Like, look at the things that will deepen your relationship with your students without having to, you know, take classes yeah. on copywriting and take classes yes. on branding and building yes. a new website and doing all these skills that are included in the grand scheme of being an entrepreneur. Totally. And there will be a time and place for you to study copywriting. Like that will come down the road and maybe some people listening are already there, but where I would tell everyone to start is learning how to market and sell in person in a conversation. And once you learn that skill, it's going to be a lot easier to translate that skill to your website and then translate that skill to writing copy and selling an email. But if you don't know how to do it person to person, there's no Mm -hmm. way that you can do it Mm -hmm. 
online to the masses. Mm -hmm. It's like one of my friends gave me this analogy. It's like learning how to drive in a parking lot and then getting on the freeway. Like we don't need to go straight to the freeway and try and learn how to drive. We can learn the skills first and then speed up later. So how do we get better at talking about our offer? How do we get more comfortable at selling what it is we, we do? Ah, mm. I was just coaching my clients on this yesterday, actually. Perfect. Uh, we were talking about, and I had them all think about like, when you buy something, why are you buying? And typically it's because you either want to make a change, you want to grow, you see the value of that thing in your life. It comes from you feeling some sort of desire. Now, if you know that your students are going to buy your offer when they desire whatever it is that you're offering, you have to create the desire in yourself first. You have to be Mm. responsible for them feeling desire about your offer. So in order to do that, you have to spend time actually thinking on purpose why what you're offering is amazing and why you love it and why it's perfect and why it's of service. And when you naturally desire your own offer, it's going to be so much easier to go talk to someone else and talk about it. Yeah. So, and it's not going to sound like you're pushing. It's not going to sound like you're, tr- you're right. trying to sell. It sounds like you're exciting about, you're excited about this thing you're doing and you just want to just casually talk about that with them. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it doesn't sound pushy because you're not waiting for their validation for you to believe in your own offer because you already got mm-hmm. the desire going. You already believe yourself. So you're not seeking that from your students. That's such a good point. Such a good point. You're not waiting for them to buy. You're not waiting for them to agree that it sounds exciting to feel good about what you do. Yes. Yes. And this is true for everything. Every policy you have in your business, every procedure, like everything you decide in your business, you want to get yourself to the place where you desire it. The way I talk about it is like you've sold yourself on it. And once you're sold on it, you'll naturally go and sell other people and you'll know when to not sell because sometimes you're going to be talking to someone who's not a right fit or isn't actually going to benefit from your offer. And that's also a skill to know when to be like, Hey, I have another teacher I can refer you to who does this. I do this. It keeps it really clean and a lot more fun, a lot less graspy. Yeah, I was just going to say there's no desperate energy of like, I need every single client I can get, even if they don't really are a right fit for me. Yes. Yeah. Which brings me to another point. When you think about the last statistic that I heard, when you think about opening a yoga studio, you invest roughly anywhere between $25,000 to $200,000 to build out the studio before you even open the doors. Hmm. You learn how to invest money first and support the business as a business owner and then make money. We're in the stage now where yoga teachers have shifted online and the level of financial investment required to get going is not anywhere near $200,000. You got to set up (laughs) Zoom, buy a microphone, you can do it. So with that being said, it's really important to still understand that you are a business and you have to feed that business financially on purpose in order for it to grow. You have to invest in your own business. And so to get out of scarcity, to get out of the grasp, maybe that means staying in your job for six more months and making sure you have that income so you can you know, sell without needing the money. Or it does mean getting a business loan so that you can sell without the graspy energy. It's so, so important. Yeah. So would you say that a common mistake is that people either switch too quickly or or are coming from a place where they're really they really need the money to to live, to survive and that comes through in the way they speak? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It it when you really need the money, the money won't come, which is like mm-hmm. such a conundrum. It's so <laughs> annoying. It, it's so annoying, right? <laughs> And I've been there and I've worked through this. Like I get it. I get that feeling. I just heard a meditation that described it like a butterfly. If you try and go chase a butterfly and grab a butterfly, they float away. 
But if you sit back and you're calm and you're just there in your presence and awareness, the butterflies are more likely to come to you. I don't know if they'd land on you. Who knows? It's a great analogy. The money is just the same. And so you either have to be really good at making sure that you don't let yourself indulge in scarcity in your brain, or you just need to support your business with the money it needs and the money that you need to live first. Mm -hmm. Any other common mistake people do when they start becoming more business minded? (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, I think I have an entire podcast on like the five mistakes, the marketing mistakes. Uh, But I would say that the number one mistake is that people tend to go towards this perfectionist Mm. road and they think Mm -hmm. that they need to build the entire online course first and have it all set up and, and do all of that before they sell. And again, my approach is very much like get the first lesson down, sell it to make sure that you can sell it and then build it and then go. And that can translate in that way. It can also translate to like the perfect Instagram picture, the perfect Canva template. And we go with a philosophy that B minus work gets it done. We don't need it to be perfect. There can be typos, like putting your work out there helps people perfecting your work in your own office, not letting anyone see it doesn't help anyone. Yeah. 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 And I think a lot of people, especially with skills that they're not comfortable in, are going to want to be more perfectionist about it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Over time, the more comfortable you get, the more you understand that what you're doing is like, it's good enough. And we can go with that for now and we'll polish it later. Right. It's like perfectionism is just the opposite side of the imposter syndrome. Exactly. They just... They're like hand in hand, they show up together. So as you look at your own, I don't know enough belief, then look at how much you're trying to perfect every offer you put out there, every Instagram post, every newsletter, and how much time you're wasting, quote unquote, wasting, uh, when you could be creating more and offering more and selling more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And serving more, like, and truly being in front of more students. I always... I've had my Instagram page since I had an Instagram. So if someone really wanted to, they could scroll back (laughs) and see. And there are some posts on there that are like me in a yoga pose with an inspiring quote, like everything that I tell my clients not to do. Yeah, of course. What we all did 10 years ago. Right. We (laughs) were all doing that. And same thing with my podcast. I listened to the first episode and I'm like, the audio quality, what was I doing? But... I couldn't have figured out what to do better if I wasn't doing. You have Mm -hmm. to learn by doing. Mm -hmm. And in order to learn by doing, you got to have your own back. You got to be willing to love yourself along the way and not pull up the first post you ever put up or pull up the first podcast and just criticize it. Like there's no effort in criticizing. There's no point in criticizing your past work. Yeah. That's so good to remember. Like get it done. You will learn as you go. You will do better the more you do it. Like repetition, right, brings mastery. So just do it and it'll be better next time. and It'll be better next time. And yeah. Yeah. And then in parallel, work on your belief. So you're happy with whatever you're putting out there. You know, you're not beating yourself up every time. And yeah. It's just like your asana practice, your yoga practice. You do it, you repeat it, you show up, you get better. And let's say you have an off day on the mat you feel bad for whatever reason, you're not going to stop showing up. It's not the end. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. when you learn compassion. That's when you learn more about yourself. And really like, that's what I love about business. It's the greatest self-study work that you will ever do because everything is going to be brought up and shown to you and you got to shift through it and work through it. And if you're ready to grow, start a business. (laughs) Yeah, that's very interesting. I've never thought about it that way, but it shows, it mirrors back a lot to you. That is for sure. Yes, it does. And it mirrors it in a way that you cannot ignore it. (laughs) It will show you what's up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So let's say 
some of our listeners are teachers that feel like they have some skills already. They are profitable, but maybe they're listening and they're like, hmm, maybe I could scale yeah. up or maybe there's even more out there for me. What's the, like, once we've begun, what's the next leveling mm. up step? Like, where do we go? That's so fun. It's a really good question because that's when you, you get to design the business and life that you want to have to a T. So if you're mm. making money and you've got an offer that's selling, then you got, you start to figure out, okay, well, how much money do I want to make? What, what do I believe is possible? And then can I go a little bit past that? Can I just entertain the next level of that? And how do I want to make it? This is so, so important because you can push yourself to make more, make more, make more, make more. But if you're doing it in a way where one, you don't enjoy it. And two, it's leading to negative side effects in your life. There's no point. Mm -hmm. So when you're getting ready to scale, the definition of scaling is making more in less time, mm -hmm. doing less. And so mm -hmm. you really start to trim the fat and get rid of anything that isn't going to help you scale and get really good at staying in the tasks that actually are high value, high revenue producing tasks and either delegating the rest or just deleting the rest. And it requires, I think, your brain to work at this next level. Like you have less time to indulge in drama or scroll your scroll on Instagram, comparing yourself, like all of that has to go and you solely get to focus on mm. what you want to create in your business. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like at the same time, it's like a wider bird eye view of everything. And at the same time, a very laser focus. Yes. Attitude, which sounds like opposite, but <laughs> so I hope that makes sense for people. It totally makes sense. And that is the role of the CEO, you keep the vision, the wide focus for where you're going and what you're doing at all times in mind. You're thinking 10 years ahead, five years ahead, steps ahead. And with that vision, you get so laser focused on your path to making mm -hmm. it happen. Mm -hmm. So I would love that person to consider like, what do I want? Do I want $50,000 months? Do I want a hundred thousand dollar months? Do I want to work 15 hours? Do I want to work 40 hours a week? There's no right or wrong. You really just get to choose. The possibilities are endless, mm -hmm. which I don't yeah. think it's talked about enough in the industry Yeah, that like, go for that million dollar business, like go for it. You can have it and the life that you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm getting clear on what it means for us to be successful, what yes. it is we want as revenue, as schedule, as opportunities. Like, do you want to work online? Do you want to travel the world? Do you want to be in person? Like, there's so many things. Like, what is the optimal life slash business yes. that you'd like to have? Once you're clear on that, that big vision, then you can start like, okay, a year, five years two weeks, you know, where, what do I yeah. need to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once you know where you're going, the how gets a, it's just starts to make itself exactly. known. You know exactly what to do to get there. Oh, there was something else you reminded me of when it comes to scaling. And I'm not sure that I remember it. It left my brain. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think the thing is it's, <sighs> We kind of talked about this. Like when you start, you have to learn the basic marketing and selling skills. We broke them down in the most basic way. And at some point when you're scaling and growing your business, you're automating that side of your business. You're automating mm -hmm. the marketing mm -hmm. and you're automating the selling. And that is how you can scale so that you take yourself out of those conversations. Doesn't mean you have to take yourself out of the teaching. Doesn't mean that you have to stop working in your business, but your role kind of like everything else we talked about, you get to design perfectly because you've gotten so good at always attracting yeah. students and always converting those students. And you know, that's solid. That's when you yeah. can really grow. You're the captain of the ship. Yes. <laughs> You're keeping like the direction. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Yeah. So we talked about 
you mentioned delegating being one mm-hmm. part of how you can scale and then making things more automatic, making things work for you. Um, mm-hmm. Those are very two important things. And I think I want to take a step back before we finish, because we talked about like, how do we start, you know, meeting people, talking about what you offer. And then I feel like maybe I skipped a little ahead and maybe in the middle people are like, but, but wait, like, oh, wait, what about my I'm offer? I'm not and I'm like, not new. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I make an offer? What I decide what that is for me, how do I deliver properly? Can we talk about that just a little bit? Oh, Yeah, we can, but this is what I help people do <laughs> for like six months at a time. So let's yeah. do the Christmas version. Are you asking how do they choose what to sell or how do they actually make offers and invite people to buy? Let's start with what they choose to sell. Okay. So how do you pick what you're going to sell? I think yeah. you touched on this. I think mm-hmm. a little bit. Looking, looking at where did, how did you connect with the practice in, in any way, right? Is it the philosophy? Is it meditation? Like whatever your thing is, what is your experience that you've had in your life up to this point? What did you learn in your teacher training and collecting all of that? And then really strategically thinking, what is a problem that I can solve for people? There like what solution am I bringing to people? And when you know the problem that you want to solve, there's another step. You have to make sure that that matches who you're making the offer to. So let's just use a super simple example. Let's say that you can solve the problem of delivering drinking water to people. You don't want to go offer that to people who already have drinking water. You want to go offer it to the people who are thirsty, who want to buy water. <laughs> And so often it sounds so simple, but if those things don't match up, yeah, It's a small tweak, but that has to be in line. I call it an aligned business. It has to be in line for it to all work. Perfect. I think that's a little extra nugget that pe- people would be like, oh, okay, now it makes a like, more complete picture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when it's time to deliver that offer, then what? So I have a strategic demand formula that I use to help my clients decide the container of their offer. So if you're brand new and you've never taught and you don't have an audience and you don't have a community, launching an online membership will be one of the hardest things to choose. And so it's sitting down and thinking, okay, here's the problem I'm going to solve. Here's the people I'm going to solve it for. And strategically based on the current demand I have in my business, how do I want to deliver this offer? Mm. And deciding from that place, which is so counterintuitive to a lot of yoga teachers who are like, but it's my heart. Mm-hmm. It's my passion to do this. And I want to deliver it this way. And it's not that you can't get there, but make it easier on yourself, build the audience, grow strategically, and then eventually get to that place where you're delivering it the way that you want to do it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and When you're delivering, just like your example of using names, it's just constantly asking yourself, how is my student's experience? And is there any way in any part of their experience that I can make it seamless, make it easy, have them feel held, seen, taken care of, and always, always holding yourself to a high standard of delivering high quality in your business. At the end of the day, you are a business and we do want to deliver well and make sure that we're focused on always helping our students get what they came for. Because if not, they're just gonna they're not gonna come back right out the door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll have a hole in the boat and it'll be really hard to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that was extremely helpful. Is there anything else you want to add before we finish? Like if there's one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave with, what would that be? Oh my gosh. If there's one thing that I could <laughs> leave for either the person who's like, wow, a yoga business sounds fun. Or the person who's already in their yoga business is that it is a lot more fun and a lot easier to grow and scale your business 
when you do it with other people and Mm -hmm. to not put yourself in a silo and to surround yourself with like-minded individuals who have a similar goal as you and are going towards it. Your partner, your family, your high school friends are the last people who will catch on to what you're doing. So you need someone else to support you along the way to say, this isn't crazy. You can do this. Let's go. Yeah. Great. So talking about what you do and what you offer, I'll put all your info in the show notes, but where's the best place for people to reach out, to learn about what you do or to ask for help if they'd like to work with you in some way? Yeah. So I have a podcast called Yoga Boss. We release episodes weekly and everything that we touched on, there's an episode that goes more into detail on that and that podcast. And if not, I would send people like, if you know, you want help, if you know, you're ready, I have a free three-day training that they can take. That's going to give them the most up-to-date marketing strategies that you can use, how to sell, how to change your mindset, everything we talked about. And that is at my website. It's Jackie G. My middle name is gracemurphy.com. They can find it there. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jackie, for your time today. Thank you so much, Erica. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast anywhere you listen. Come and connect with us on Instagram at on and off your mat podcast, sharing a screenshot of you listening with your takeaways. You can also join our membership platform and become a premium member of the podcast. Get your hands on all our exclusive content, including our class library. Check out the show notes to find more info about our guests of today, Jackie Murphy, or my top five biggest takeaways from this episode. Now, before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible, and that includes all our exclusive member. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time.